D E F F. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned, talk about horror movies. We'll start with getting stoned. Today's movie is going to be ABCs of Death. This is going to be hard to get through. I went to public school. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you there. I'm with uh, you there. But let's start with the part that's easy. Get our green hits out of the way. What did you bring me this week, Danny? No problem. So this is a strain that you have brought to the show before, and that strain is Crockett's Haze. Picked it up here at a local dispensary in town. We frequent very often, and that is flowers. So if you're in town, check them out. They've got some good pre-rolls. Anyhow, Crockett's Haze, for those who are not familiar, it is a rare hay strain. It was crossed with the Ranger, and the breeders at Crockett Family Farms and DNA Genetics have created this as a uh, sativa-dominant plant. So with that being said, too, it comes in roughly about 19 or 20% THC levels. This is both the flavors and aromas are pretty unique here with a blend of incense, citrus in tropical notes and it's accented by a metallic note from what i understand it's good for socializing if you're out at concerts and you want to kind of feel real good or hiking things like that so it's, it's a good way to socialize and just get out in nature or whatnot and it said that eventually relaxation does set in but it just makes you feel happy that's all it does it doesn't make you sleepy so yeah this one's a little bit more on the upper side and then today, I know I've brought this before. I don't know if I've brought it before from Flower, though. I know I've bought it in Motor Breath before. I feel like most of the time I run into Motor Breath in town, it's at Greener Pastures. That's a good point, yeah. So I don't know if I've brought it in from Flower before, but I know I've brought it in before. Motor Breath is a cross of Chemdog and San Fernando Valley OG Kush. You're going to get a little bit more of the herbal, slightly citrusy. I always feel like the peppery overtakes it whenever I've smoked Motor Breath. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, you, it has those notes for sure and it leans sativa but is a little bit more down the middle of the road of a type hybrid but also yeah like i said euphoric but also relaxed not like necessarily like euphoric and buzzing around the fucking room you don't want me doing that <laughs> but i mean we're already smoking on these so that part of this is done maybe we should get into the guts and bolts of the abcs of death Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, ABCs of Death. We're going to have to approach this a little bit differently than before. I guess the easiest way first to give an overview of this movie is to state off that it's an anthology flick. And it's not a normal <laughs> anthology flick. It's an extreme anthology flick. As in, there's 26 different directors for this. And so I'm just going to give a slightly paraphrased version of what this movie itself tells you in the very beginning. This film was created by 26 directors from around the world. Each director was given a letter of the alphabet and asked to choose a word. Then they created a short tale of death that related to their chosen word. They had complete artistic freedom regarding the content of their segments. I mean, that's, that's my overview, because I, I ain't going to be able to give you an overview for 26 different oh, no, short man, stories. Shit, we've already mentioned this off recording that, man, if we go through all the directors and actors and everybody else involved, we would have an entire episode just off that. It's crazy. So mm -hmm. we're going to spare a lot of our listeners that. So what I'll do to make this little section, because we normally do talk about directors and all this stuff, we'll save it for the next section for the well, ones that we do enjoy. We'll the director for yeah. each segment. We can at least do that, but... What I'd like to do is just kind of get to the nitty-gritty of it, I suppose, and get into, uh, like, for instance, the production companies, distributors, et cetera. We'll just plow through those. So production companies on this were Draft House Films and Timpson Films. 
This was distributed by Magnet Releasing, which I'm a big fan of them. They Me too. put out some good stuff. A couple different release dates. One, we have September 14th, 2012 at the Toronto International Film Festival in Canada. It had a January 31st, 2013 video on demand release. It did have a release date on March the 8th, 2013 here in North America and July 20th, 2013 in Japan. And it does have a box office number, so keep that in mind. We've talked about this before. It probably didn't have very many screens it was released on, but it made $21,832. And you know what? I yeah. actually do have yeah. a slug line. Wi- widest release was only 19 theaters. You kind of have to bear those numbers, but still, it's not too bad. 19 theaters or 19 screens, not too bad. All right. The two taglines that we have, it's not educational and 26 directors, 26 ways to die. Let's see. Since we're not going into stars, because there's at least 26 of them, if not more, I guess warnings, right? Like there's not much else to cover. No, (laughs) that's about it. Like I said, we'd be here all day if we're listening off directors and cinematographers, etc. Fuck, I don't even know where to start on warnings. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. This is a fucking wild collection. I will say if there's anything that you're not digging on, it'll be over in under four minutes. Solid point. But, like, there's a lot of fucking shit in this movie, There's some pretty heavy stuff going on in this, too. I was kind of surprised by a few of them. Some shit ranges on, like, extreme horror. Yeah. Some shit's just kind of... Fucked up there's and gory. Perversion going on. There's here. some perversion going on. There's language. There's I mean, there's, Nazi imagery. Yeah, I was gonna there's, say there is some heavily implied pedophilia. Yeah, I mean, you don't see anything, thankfully, but still, some of it's. I mean, at least one of the stories is just kind of like dark and sad, dude. Yeah, like it ranges the <laughs> gamut. There's a lot of really dark comedy in this though too yes there are Are, some of it is fucking hilarious some of it's just weird (laughs) i mean i guess the warning is go in knowing that it's a little bit of everything oh yeah you get a full spectrum of things in this there's a lot more nudity in it than i thought there was going to be yeah i agree with you there i'm not disappointed i'm just saying i wasn't expecting that i guess we're just gonna have to get into it yeah and, of course, you know, once we get into these segments, if there's something that we want to warn you about as well, if we forgot it here, we'll bring it up. I think that's going to be the overall warning. Like, when that opening said, like, the directors were given complete creative control, some of them exercised <laughs> that control. You're right. But that was what they were given. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's find out how the ABCs of death made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, so before we start our ABCs, had you ever watched this before? I started in on it, but man, I didn't make it far. Okay. I can tell you that much. I know a while ago, I think before we even started this podcast, one of my friends recommended it to me. Like, I normally would have took his recommendation on something like this. I don't know why I never got around to it, but I just, I never did. I kind of wish I would have. I guess we are going to go in and talk about it letter by letter, but do you have any feelings about it as a whole before we get into that? I actually enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah. Like, I really did. As a whole, I want to say it was a lot better than I anticipated, you know? Because I was like, ah, with anthologies, especially as 
far strung out as this one is, it's not like three or four, five short stories, 26. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of room for fuck ups. But I was thoroughly surprised by how many were either like exceptionally well done or just like they weren't great, but they were still enjoyable. Yeah, I was trying to think about this a little bit earlier. I do feel like the sum of this anthology is greater than actually its parts would seem to add up to. Because when I was actually like writing notes on this earlier, I was kind of surprised at just how many of the stories I kind of felt meh at, while still feeling like this is an amazing horror anthology. That's how I felt too. That's like even for the ones that were like, eh, they're okay. They weren't bad by any stretch. There was a few I was like, ah, I could have done without, but overall. Maybe, yeah. And maybe almost the perfect like horror party movie. Oh, yeah, dude. That would be perfect. Smoking, hanging out. Hell yeah. <laughs> like when they were playing shit up on the projector in Carrie 2 mm. before they started playing her video. Play this movie at a party like that. Eyes would be glued. Perfect. Like, what perfect. the fuck was that? <laughs> The guy's nuts just come out his mouth. <laughs> okay. The other thing that I want to point out, there's 26 short stories. I don't feel like we should do the work of having to summarize each of these short stories when we talk about each of these segments. Luckily, other people have done it for us. Thank you. So <laughs> I will be reading the Wikipedia description of each segment as we come up upon it to just get what it's about out of the way so we can talk about the actual content and what we felt. I feel that's appropriate. So I guess we'll start. A is for... Apocalypse. A woman bursts into the bedroom of a man, presumably her husband, and proceeds to stab, burn, and beat him. Nearly dead, he asks why she did this. She then reveals she has been slowly poisoning him for some time as part of a murder plot, but has had to speed up the process because she has been watching the news, and there wasn't enough time. Destruction is heard outside as the woman sits with her husband and waits for the end of the world. Directed by... Nacho Vigalondo, who we reviewed Time Crimes, his film, not too long ago, and we had our friend Steven over for that, too, so that was a lot of fun, dude. That was... Dude, I liked that film a lot. Time Crimes has still been, like, kind of on my mind since we've done it. I don't know if I mentioned this on our episode for it, but I remember when I first seen it, prior to us even reviewing it and choosing it, I was like, man, this film is really good. This is, wow. I liked it a lot. I like mm -hmm. when a movie makes you think, you know. So this short, right. Apocalypse, good effects. I agree. Like the hand slice was fucking good. Even I think, the I mean, this the oil. Is a, this is a strong way to start. This might be one of my favorites. I'm going to put this in one of my, it's like. definitely in my top five, I would say. I'll put this in my okay. Like, it wasn't bad. Like I said, it was a good start, but I was like, eh, I expect a little bit more from Nacho, to be quite frank. But I didn't dislike it at all. And I think for me, the effects partially put it over the top because there was some. It was good. And she was ham on that dude. <laughs> like, I was damn. like, what the fuck is Even going Even when she on like here? stabs him in the show. Yeah, like all that stuff was really good. I was just like, ah, I understand this is short, you know? So you can only do so much. Yeah. Some of these definitely suffer from what are you going to do though you have a couple minutes and like the one of them implies that they had a budget restriction too <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's true or not i have no way of knowing either but but one of the shorts implies that they oh. have a budget restriction yeah well they said like five, five thousand yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like we'll get to I that get it. like <laughs> yeah. 
some of these are stupid impressive if that's the case. Yeah, I agree. Like, and if we go forward with that being the case, like some of them, I might have to Nailed like rethink it. like exactly uh -huh. where I'd rank them because some of them have made way better use of that than others. I think if that is the context, I would highly agree with you there because that puts things into a different frame or different, mm -hmm. you know, like, whoa, okay. <laughs> this one was cool. This one I thought also felt like a short story. Yeah. And not in a bad way, but like I've read short stories where it's like well, you kinda get, something's yeah. like, what the fuck's going on? And then you get the twist and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why she's speeding up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. So my overall takeaway was like, I liked it, but didn't blow me away. B is for Bigfoot. Shochitl cannot go to sleep. Her babysitters, Dulce and Eric, fabricate a story about the abominable snowman coming out every night to take away kids, but only those who stay up at night. A mysterious homeless man breaks into the house and kills Dulce and Eric. The man enters Shochitl's room, but leaves as she hides under the covers, counting sheep. Okay, what I would correct there, and this is not you, this is what's in Wikipedia, was a mysterious homeless man. They make it a little bit more apparent that this is the garbage collector. Yes. So he's not necessarily mysterious. I mean, he is to us, but he's the garbage collector. Yeah. They point that out. But, I mean, that's just like a minor detail, no big deal. This one was kind of middle of the road for me. There was nothing bad about it by any yeah, means. exactly. I'd say the biggest positive for me was, did you ever, we might've talked about this in the past. Did you ever watch Cropsey? No, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen it. No. So if you're not familiar with it out there, Cropsey is a documentary about a serial killer in Staten Island. Right. But the thing is, is like there was a local legend called Cropsey that then when a serial killer started killing people, they started calling the serial killer Cropsey. <laughs> yeah. So they, kind of in a weird way made their own urban legend true and then there's yes. like there's some other bullshit that goes on with it it's actually a really good documentary but it kind of reminded me of that where it's like you make up this story <laughs> that is easily able to become true right and a lot of it has to do with imagination and mm -hmm. what have you like said superstition all that stuff but like i agree with you there like this one i was in between like middle of the road or like, I wouldn't say like my top five, or, mm -hmm. but that's like, this is, I think it's one good. of the better ones. Yeah. yeah. And part of it is if we're using that context, $5,000 budget within a short time frame. it's like this story kind of hit the points, you mm -hmm. know, it's like this couple wants to fuck. They're going to tell her a made up story. So she goes to bed. It's funny in a sense because the fucking guy is right outside with the bell and the cart garbage. <laughs> so it, all that stuff lines up. The mom finally gets her to sleep. Or was it just it was like it was her cousin, her cousin. primo's oh, okay. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, right, right. Yeah, I they go over to bone in a second. <laughs> I thought I thought it was funny that like she's finally like, all right, like she's not going to come out of the fucking bedroom, and then the dude lasts a minute and a half. Yeah, and he's, he's like, I gotta go take out the garbage. I know, <laughs> mom will be pissed. It's like, yeah, you are garbage. Bye. I <laughs> was got some garbage dick. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, you're right. And they get it, and the girl... <laughs> you know, as we're talking about yeah. this, I'm liking this one more and more. As I said, this one I put in my favorites list, but it wasn't... Uh, and I'll explain. Like, there, I got a laundry list of my favorites. <laughs> but this was the first one in my favorites list. Well, and it also... It kind of plays with that sort of, like, childhood thing of, like, 
it's all going to end up being okay as long as you keep the blankets up oh, over yeah. your head and keep. As I say, it fits that whole narrative. Counting the sheep as long as she was trying to be honest, <laughs> you know. Can't blame her. All right. C is for cycle. Bruno sees a puddle of blood in his backyard, but ignores it. At night, he hears a noise and checks on it, but finds nothing. In the morning, his wife Alicia disappears, and he finds a hole in the bushes. He is sucked in and finds out he has been sent back in time to the night that he heard the sound. He was the one who made it. In the morning, he sees himself get sucked in the bushes and then is killed by another Bruno, making the puddle of blood scene at the beginning. Directed by Ernesto Diaz Espinosa. I don't know much about that gentleman. I can tell you this, though. This is another one of those. I was like, wait, this one wasn't done by Nacho? Dude. <laughs> My only note for this reminds me of time crimes. I wrote down time crimes light. Right, exactly. Dude. Makes less sense. It's like, I liked it, but yeah, it does make less sense. It's a short. I felt like perhaps the guy who killed himself was trying to end that cycle while pushing it back in. But I don't know. There's no way of knowing that. I saw somebody's review where they said that his action confirmed the cycle, so now he's stuck in that for eternity. I didn't see that. I thought that that was, must have been the one that had already been stuck in the cycle for a while trying to get out. Yeah, and he's figuring it out. But like, he just okay. altered the cycle because we've seen the blood already, so we know that the cycle continues at least in some way. Exactly. So that's what I put down. It just reminds me of time crimes. Wasn't anything like super special, but it was fairly decent, you know? It made yeah, sense. It was fine. Yeah, so it was fine. The reason I was like, it was more than okay is because I was like, yeah, I was like, I wonder how much this was a nod to time crimes. Yeah. It's like, and if that's the case, it's kind of, you know, coincidental because Nacho leads it off. So yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. D is for dogfight. A man adorned with a dog tag reading buddy enters an underground fighting ring against a dog. The two have a vicious fight as various onlookers cheer them on. As the dog bites the man's neck, he shouts buddy, causing the dog to stop. The dog suddenly turns on his handler, and lost dog posters are shown revealing that the dog previously belonged to the man. The dog and the man team up on the handler and presumably kill him. This was a weird one, man. It was. I'm like, I, this is a whole different type of dog fighting, too. You're like, what the fuck, man? I don't like seeing a dog get punched in the face. <laughs> Me either. I'm like, I don't want to see that. But it was kind of ridiculous enough that I was laughing at it. Yeah, because we know it's it's not real. It shot very well. Yeah. It the is. overcrank gives something pretty neat to it. It's obvious because they show the buddy poster way early on. They do. But it also may, then makes no sense why they fucking beat on each other for that long. Because <laughs> you're recognizing your dog right away. Of course, man. Come on. Just say buddy. If it's him, he'll come to you. You guys didn't have to beat the shit out of each other. You could have just went like, buddy. Yeah, And like nodded your head at the guy. And like the dog would have <laughs> just turned and bit the fucking cholo's nuts off. It's like, I don't get that angle either. And he's got the dog collar on. Come on, guy. Yeah. So that part was too obvious to me. But it's also extremely well done. I will say and that. It's so absurd that, like, it kind of had me laughing. I didn't think that might be the point. Like, it's just so absurd of an idea that there's some comedy in it. And I would agree with that highly. But I also don't like seeing a dog get punched in the face that many That's times. where I kind of had issues with this particular episode or this segment. I was like, I didn't need to see all that. I mean, once again, it's not real. But still, I was like, ah, that's kind of fucked up. And it was kind of funny that the dog almost had, like, superhuman strength. Like, <laughs> he slipped that one fucking hook or whatever that straight it got through. Yeah, it was a fucking hook. Clamped on. But all the guy had to do was say buddy, and that was it. I'm like, ah. Those leg bites and all that stuff look decent. 
Yeah. But still, I, I mean, it was all right. It was all right. This is the one I, I had. I don't, like, even, oh. I don't even know where to rate this one because it had such high highs and low lows for me. Right. And that's why I was like, ah, this one's just okay for me. E is for... Exterminate. A man attempts to kill a spider but keeps missing, getting bitten several times in the process. After a whole week of being stalked by the spider and complaining about earaches, the man finally kills the spider, but tiny baby spiders then hatch out of his ear. As directed by... Angela Bettis. Now, this is somebody I think we've probably brought up before, but never have really talked about her in depth because we haven't reviewed any films she's been in. But she's worked with Lucky McKee a lot, and she's been in some really cool films, like May. I know she's in one of the Carrie Girl films. Girl Interrupted. Yeah, she's in... I fucking love Girl Interrupted. She's, I really like Angela Bettis. She's low-key underrated because people do know who she is, but she is a staple in horror, dude. I will say that much. Now, as for this segment... Man, uh, man, my only note is a bit obvious. Not only that, but I honestly put, it felt like a scary story to tell in the dark segment. It's like yeah. right out of one of those books, man. And I was like, oh, Angela, you could have done so better. I was kind of disappointed. I put this in one of my least favorites out of all of them. Yeah, I just, it was, man. It's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I did think it was fucking hilarious. There was some they, comedy in it, but. I thought it was hilarious that they included the spider looking over as he was cranking one out on the <laughs> I like I said, there's some little bit of comedy in here, but uh, it was just, you're right. It was obvious. All right. So F is for fart. School. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. Schoolgirl Yoshi is obsessed with her teacher, Miss Yumi. One day while outside, a deadly gas breaks forth from the ground and kills anyone who inhales it. Yoshi and Yumi escape into a building where the former wishes to smell the latter's farts instead of the gas. Yumi farts in Yoshi's face, and as she is transported to a gas-filled dimension where she and Yumi make out. All right, first time through. Wait, I want to say it's right. not a gas-filled dimension. She travels to the land of the dead. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, and this was directed by Noboru Iguchi, who I can't believe we haven't brought up before because look at these films, man. I actually own, I know for sure, one of them. So he's known for doing like adult video films in Japan. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. But when you look at his theatrical releases, he's done stuff like The Machine Girl, mm -hmm. Robo Geisha, Mutant Girl Squad. He's done Tomei Unlimited, Zombie Ass, Dead Sushi, The Flowers of Evil. So he's known for kind of doing stuff similar to like Tokyo Gore Police and shit like that, like over the top as we see here. <laughs> but first time through, I was like, yes. <laughs> Fucking yes. Way to go, Japan. Coming with the crazy. <laughs> this, so this one had the crazy Japan factor for me, <laughs> especially of like the three Japanese sequences we get in this. Yeah. I thought it was the least out of the three. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's better. But I was like, man, I'm glad they put this in here so early because it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. She just wanted to sniff Miss Yumi's fart. That's the only gas she wanted to breathe in before she died, before they died. And she gets sucked up the ass. And well, the way I like how it started is you can tell that girl, I can't remember her name right up top of my head, but anyway, she like lets out that fart in the beginning mm -hmm. because she's having like this inner dialogue about what girls should be like. I mean, she's kind of rebellious in that sense. You can tell Miss Yumi heard her. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. I was like, this is ridiculous, but I like all of it. That's what I needed. All right. G is for... Gravity. 
In the first short shot, mostly from a POV perspective, a man drives up to the beach where he pulls out a surfboard and a bag full of bricks. Strapping the bag to himself, he rides the board out into the ocean where he proceeds to drown. The camera changes perspective and the viewer sees the surfboard bobbing vertically in the water. This is one of my favorites. I think this oh. one's insane, insanely well done. I would agree with that, but man, I wasn't big into it. I'm going to be honest. Like I, I was like, eh. I mean, I get the point. I did like the underwater sequence. I like how that was shot, but I'm like, eh. I thought it was okay. I will say it's one of my favorites more in the sense, though, that like I can almost see this just being a segment in Der Totus King. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, this one is a little bit there's more not realistic anything, in that sense. There's not really anything super interesting to it. I think that's probably always like, yeah, I get it though. I mean, I understand it. This, <laughs> this is all about death. Mm-hmm. I just read the description. And there's not much more to say beyond that. Like it's not cool. super it's quick. Neat. I like how it's shot and everything. Like you were saying, the point of view perspective is really well done. There's two of these that are mostly done in POV. I feel like this one, it serves the story better. Whereas the other one, it's a better idea. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> H is for hydroelectric diffusion. In a World War II setting populated by humanoid animals, Birdie the Bulldog enters a strip club and is enamored by a fox woman. The fox turns out to be Birdie's Nazi nemesis, Frau Scheiße, who traps him over an electrified pool of water. Encouraged by the voice of Winston Churchill, Birdie overcomes the odds and knocks Scheiße into the pool of water, where she melts and then explodes. He then winks and grins to the camera in a parody of patriotic propaganda films. All right. I really liked this one the first time around. It reminded me, this is one of my notes, it reminded me of Primus's video, Winona's Big Brown Beaver, like oh, the, okay. the, the outfits and shit. But this is furries, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? There's this, like, hyper-realism to it, even though it's, you know, anamorphic creatures or whatever. I was like, I like this. This reminds me of the 90s somewhat. It reminded me also of a video, but of a Caravan Palace video. Mm. Anyway, I think I was more on board with this one the second time through. The first time, I was just like, the shit is actually going on here. I know, that's and not necessarily like in a bad way, no, but I was just like, like <laughs> what? Yeah. And I'm like, are we really doing fucking furries in this? Furries, propaganda. Yeah. Fucking furry Nazi ploitation. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm on board. And then, okay, so that's a point I do want to say. I don't know if it was a problem at the time this movie came out, but this was kind of weird because I do happen to know that the furry community is having a problem with Nazis right now. Oh, I didn't know that. And, like, it's gotten to the point where there's a few of those, like, artists that do a lot of furry commissions are having a hard time finding work unless they're open to doing Nazi uh, furry commissions. I see. So they're kind of pigeon. And then there's like some other like popular ones that are suddenly way on board with drawing Nazi furries That's and weird. are alienating big swaths of their audience. And like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I know this shit, by the way. No, I think it's interesting. Don't get me wrong. But because it's, it's fucking, it's one of those things that sort of like creeped out. Like, by the way, furries are having a Nazi problem. I'm like, we're all having a Nazi problem. They're like, yeah, but furries are actually really having a Nazi problem. That's wild. <laughs> but it just shows you, like, I mean, I can understand why that they would probably use that because it's kind of a, I don't know, this weird artistic venue you can explore that shit with, quote unquote, mm -hmm. explore, like exploit. <laughs> but the second time around, I was like, they're literally bringing like a cartoon to life. 
He's doing the eyes pop out thing. Yeah, like dude. she knocks his nuts up out of his mouth. I like when all he's that. getting electrified, he's doing the the see through to fucking bones. Just even the cliche, in there. you know. Fuck it. It was so brilliantly done. When I got through the second time, I was like, yeah. bravo. I like the sequence. So I much. had a hard time choosing whether or not I, it was one of my favorites or just one that I was like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I did put it in the okay, but once we get through our list, I know we'll probably pick out our favorites and blah, blah, blah. But I do have a special place in my heart for this one. <laughs> I is for? Ingrown. Oh, did we say who directed the last one? No, we also have to mention G is for Gravity oh, yeah. was directed by Andrew Trauke, and uh, H for Hydroelectric Fusion was done by Thomas Malling. A man has his wife bound and gagged in his bathtub. As she struggles to break free, the man injects her with motor oil, which causes her to scratch herself violently. She bleeds and then vomits before lying lifelessly in the tub. As the scene goes on, a female voice, the woman in the tub, narrates in a Spanish a monologue about how her husband's abuse just makes him a primal animal and not any more of a man. The monologue is directed at him. <laughs> this was the dark one. It was super dark. And I put this one in one of my favorites lists. Like, I like this one a lot because of how dark it is. And it's like, oh, it's harrowing. She gets injected with motor oil. I'm like, God damn, that's fucked up. And it's presumably done by her husband mm-hmm. once again. I'm like, damn, and everything she said, I was like, whew, that, oof. The title, The Ingrown, is referring to the part of his primal nature yeah. that's caused. Yeah. That would make sense, yeah. And she Because I had out. to think about that a lot after. I'm like, okay, but how does this, like, how does this relate to the title? I think that uh, you could probably make that connection possibly. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense with the primal set, yeah. It's kind of about toxic masculinity without being about toxic masculinity. It's yeah. more about him just being a shit. But, yeah, god damn. But that's kind of the ingrown part. You know, that's the part that's festered out of control. Yeah, you like, can also say that... The I, way that she's talking about the abuse and stuff. Right, it was like, grown within or mm-hmm. grown within that relationship, ingrown, perhaps... Mm-hmm. I think you can make that association as well. But I really did enjoy this one. As dark as it is, I know I fucking hate looking at Vaughn's green. But I was like, you know what? That added a real touch to it. Mm-hmm. And I give him you know, credit for that. Oh, and the, did we say that one was directed by? Jorge Michel Grau. All right. J is for? Jedi Geki, which means samurai movie. An executioner prepares to decapitate a samurai. However, the samurai begins performing a series of bizarre and physically impossible facial expressions, causing the executioner to panic. A man off-screen tells the executioner to finish the job as he notices that the samurai is performing seppuku. The executioner, who turns out to be a kaishakunin, beheads the samurai, but then laughs at the ridiculous expression that the latter made. This one's so fucking good, dude. I like this one a lot. I love, I dig this I was like, dude, that's where that fucking meme face came from. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Makes sense. That's fucking funny as hell. Yeah. That's what I was like, man, this one is over the fucking top. I like it. It's dark humor. When you realize what's really going on, the guy's doing like a ritual, like harikari. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is the guy's supposed to be beheading him. But he can't because the guy keeps making fucking faces at him. It's weirdly relatable because it's like you're just trying to do your job and you keep noticing that one thing that just keeps making you fuck up. And even your boss is like, hey, pay attention. Yeah, you got a job to do. And you're just having a hard time with just 
you might have done it a hundred times before, but you're having a hard time mm. with this one because that one thing just keeps fucking catching you. Like, right, it's throwing you off. You can't focus. And then even at the end, like, <laughs> he lets that he loses out. it. Yeah. And, you know, he's not supposed to. Right. Like, that's... they don't show any follow-up. They don't show him getting... Uh, but you know it's not good. You know he wasn't <laughs> supposed to sit there and fucking make fun of the guy he just helped. I know. Another little touch I like, I know we haven't mentioned it quite yet, but every one of these episodes, too, either the fade-out, mm. which typically is, is in blood, or like in this case, too, it ends when you can see the reflection of the guy who did the beheading kind of giggling or smirking still, and then it shows, you know the segment titles. I was like, that's a nice little touch. They did a really good job. It looked really well done. I liked it. The effects on the fucking face were hilarious. It was like, great, man. I enjoyed this one thoroughly. I always put it that way. Jay was directed by... Yude Yamaguchi. Has he done anything that... Uh, let's, oh, Meatball yeah. Machine. Oh, dude, yeah. That movie's fucking awesome. It's okay. wild. Oh, yeah, I did want to mention this, too. He's a writer on Versus and Alive. Versus is a wild fucking movie. I own that one. It's really good. Yeah, Meatball Machine, Yakuza Weapon, Deadball. So some pretty interesting films. K is for Klutz. In this cartoon short, a woman uses the toilet at a party only to discover that her stool refuses to be flushed. The stool starts making squeaking noises as it moves on its own towards its creator. After the woman seemingly manages to flush it, she continues to hear the squeak. As she inspects the toilet, the stool's revealed to be clinging to the ceiling above her. It drops down, re-entering her anus at high speed. She bolts upright, stunned, and then falls down dead as the stool slides out her mouth on a stream of blood. Other party guests enter and find her body. I put this one had a lot of humor in it. I think that's this the whole point. fucking funny. Yeah. I dug this one. I really like this one, too. That was funny. I didn't think ridiculous. I was going to when it started, too, because like yeah. the art style and shit like screamed like wine mom at me. And... It's just like silly. And even at the end, it, it's still a little bit like... <laughs> Came out of her mouth and she's bleeding now and they catch her ass up. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, and it's even better because, like, they only see the aftermath, right? So it just looks like she slipped taking a shit and broke her fucking head open. And we know the truth that, like, <laughs> it's the most insane fucking... Yeah, and it had the squishy sound, too, like a squeaky toy. It's just ridiculous, but I liked it, too. It was like, it is an animation on top of it, so... So the way that this is all presented, like on none of these shorts when you're watching through it, you don't know the name of it till the end of the short. So I kept wondering what the fuck this could even be. Like, right. what is she going to get killed by? That K? starts with, like, yeah. what is the K in this fucking thing? <laughs> and when it came to be Klutz, oh. I was like, oh, because, like, her friends are just going to walk in and think she legit just, like, slipped taking a shit. Yeah, because I didn't look at the segment mm -hmm. titles. I thought maybe K for Kaka. I was wondering if maybe it was going to be like this was created by somebody in a country where their caca would have been a K rather than like a C. That's what I was thinking. But no, it's Klutz. It still makes sense. Oh, and that was directed by? Anders Mergenthaler, who's a uh, Danish filmmaker. So I was looking through his filmography. I was like, I don't recognize anything. It's because it's strictly Danish. Mm. I know he's done some music videos, too, for some Danish like metal bands and stuff. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, I did a, a music video for Ranji, a video called Watch Out. 2004 music video. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway. L is for... Libido. A man awakens naked and strapped to a chair with another man in the same position. Both are forced to masturbate to a series of increasingly disturbing acts, with the last one to climax getting impaled. At one point, the woman overseeing the acts is accidentally impaled, along with the loser. The man who made it through all of the acts suddenly falls unconscious when he refuses to continue. 
He awakens in bed with a naked woman over him, only to discover he is part of the next act as the woman kills him with a chainsaw. This was one of my favorites out of all of them. This, this is the one crazy. where... crazy. <laughs> out of all of them, this is the one where, in a world where we have grotesque, where we have a Serbian film, why isn't this a full-length film? Dude, this is wild. You could argue this is maybe a little bit more on the extreme end. 100%. Also, like, let's point out the director on this, too, because, mm. like... I know we've been doing that to the end, but this one was done by a guy that we've actually talked about before because he's the other half of the Mo brothers, and that's Timo Jajanto. Mm-hmm. So we talked about him when we did Rumadora, mm-hmm. Macabre, whatever you want to call it. What, what was cool that films. last Mo thing that we did, Queen of Black Magic? Yeah. I might like this short better than Queen of Black Magic. I think I would agree with you. Maybe yeah, because of this, like, there was some wild shit in that too. I, I like that one too, but this one was like, whoa, straight to the fucking point. And it was like, whoa, when you find out what's going on. The way I had this written out, it's just two sentences. I had <laughs> jerk off to survive until Pedo arrives. And then I put chainsaw fuck murder. <laughs> that was my note. <laughs> I'm like, damn, it's gory. It's fucked up. You got to bust to survive the rounds before the other day would bust. Fap. <laughs> no, the thing that I got me died. too. He beat me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about when they wheeled the girl out? That was fucking wild. I was like, wow. Okay, they're going there. And then you know, it keeps well, going. Well, because at first, it, when they first roll around, I thought it was too, just because... you don't think that she's going to be involved. No, 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 no. I didn't think that. I was just like, they're fetishizing her. I mean, so yeah, much, but... There's so much extra story. Wow. You could make a full-length film of this without adding any more. You just fill in what happens yeah, in between it. the rounds. I agree. Just fill in around it. Yeah, the space in fill between. Fill in the story of like him <sighs> and the gal running it more, and find out what the fuck's going on with her fucking vagi. I know, right? There's so much stuff that you can explore within the core of this. Oh, I agree. It would be awesome. I've, I fucking lost it too when it gets up to the fucking pedo round, oh. and the dude was just like looking over, like sizing up his competition. He's like. <laughs> Yeah, yo, you don't know, but I'm already into this. So, like, <laughs> the, uh, the thing that also got me about that is that dude was like on some kind of IV or something. He was uh, he was in a fucked up state, but not fucked up enough to jerk it to a kid. I'm like, really? But I'm glad they went there. I'm not saying because it's oh, ooh, that's my thing, but they pushed that boundary. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But it's acting. We all have to keep that in mind. It's not real. <laughs> and it's also like, so what do you do? Do you jerk it to a kid, or do you get slowly impaled? Not super slow, but, right, like, but it's still. not quick. And you can tell it's going to be painful. Ugh. He didn't get that treatment. He got the other treatment, which the way they Look, set it up was really good. If you're going to give me impale or give me getting chainsawed while a fucking thick I'll Asian's take the riding chainsaw. me, I'll take the chainsaw all day uh-huh. long. I'll take that. Coming and going. Oh, that's I'll fine. Get... Death by snoo snoo. I'm okay with that. Yeah, better than getting impaled. Fuck that Fuck noise. No, I'm good, dude. Uh-uh. No, thank as, you. As long as she's even halfway quick with that chainsaw. And he seemed like he was still fucked up on the drugs, too. And that'd be fine. I mean, when he looked over, that's when I was like, oh, shit, he's still part of this game. But not necessarily the worst part of it. No, like, fucking libido's masterful. Yeah, really, really enjoyed this one. Which says a lot of fucked up things about us. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've been doing this for quite a while. You should know us by now. Yeah. M is for? Miscarriage. A woman tries to unclog her toilet. She goes down to the basement, finds a plunger, and returns, revealing that a dead fetus is inside. 
the most obvious one. Dude, this one was a waste of time. You know, the only thing I put on this one is a clogged toilet, woman gets plunger, it was a miscarriage. It's like, okay. I mean, it's implied like, oh, that's fucked up. You know, I do kind of like second, how they- I know that we're up to M and the first thing is a woman getting off a toilet. It's miscarriage. M is for miscarriage. Yeah, it's pretty much on the nose. When I'm looking through Ty West, who's the director, I was like, okay, I mean, he's done some decent films. I think more notably, The House of the Devil. I've actually watched it. I liked it. I don't think I give it as much praise as other people do. But he's done stuff like Cabin Fever 2, The Innkeepers, You're Next. He's helped with VHS, The Sacrament, you know, Wayward mm -hmm. Pines, things like that, The Extras. So he's known within the horror community for obvious reasons. But this one was kind of like, eh, eh. I just put it was okay. It didn't do anything for me. This one just felt fucking lazy to me. Yeah, it's like there wasn't really anything special about it. Even the scrambling was like, ah, oh, whatever. See the plunger, you know what's happening. N is four. Nuptials. Shane is flirting with his girlfriend Anne using a new parrot he bought. He then proposes to her and she accepts. Suddenly Shane's parrot blurts out, don't be scared, Joy. My girlfriend won't know. Shane tries to brush it off, but the parrot's exclamations become more lewd and damning. Anne shouts, damn you, Shane. Grabs a knife and stabs him to death. Dude, I love this one. This was a good one. I like this There's one. There's not much to say beyond the description of it, but yeah. it's fucking charming. Like, it was. You were like, oh, this is kind of sweet. You know, he's got the bird helping him propose. It's almost just like a dirty joke come to life, right? Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate the humor in it. That bird doing what it was doing, saying what it was saying. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, holy shit. It's just over the top, but I liked everything about it, man. This one, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Bangjong Pisandanakun. So I don't know much about him. Let's take a look. All right, so Thai filmmaker. Oh, okay. Some interesting films. Shudder from 2004. Phobia, spelled with a number four, then yeah, Bia. Okay. <laughs> and he did Phobia. Phobia yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Pimak on one day. And he's done some other short films, but yeah, interesting. Thailand. Well, O is four. Orgasm. A man and woman, credited as la homme et la femme, <laughs> respectively, have sex, which is presented in a series of abstract, dimly lit close-up shots such as bubbles, cigarettes, leather, moaning, and breathing. The short ends with the man pulling out a leather belt and strangling the woman as she lets out one final orgasm. I really like this one. This one I felt was, an, I was like, I've seen the opening to Sin City. This is just yeah. like the nudity version. Within my notes, I was like, this one was very, very reminiscent of a more sexualized giallo. Okay. You know, the color schemes, a little bit of the psychedelia involved in it, the BDSM, stuff like that. There's some giallos that explore the BDSM world, and that's like, that's probably why I like this. Like, it really reminded me of a lot of giallos. This one, I'm not going to lie. This one, what made me think, and I'm kind of wondering, like, were all these directors, like told to pick a word <laughs> and then they're like oh by the way now it has to be about death yeah exactly but because this one made me feel like the directors were like oh orgasm and then they're like shit we have to make it about death yeah here we go and they didn't want to go the extreme route so they went the super artsy route all right so before i knew who this couple was right this is uh Tet and bruno farzani they're both belgian actually filmmakers but when I looked at the filmography, it's like, oh, no fucking wonder. It makes total sense. They have a film from 2009 entitled Amer, 
which okay. is a fucking giallo. <laughs> Well, uh, the strange color of uh, your body's tears sounds like a giallo. It's you. a giallo, and so is let the corpses tan. So I'm like, no wonder why I felt like it felt like a giallo. <laughs> because that's what they're known for. I was like, wow, I had no idea, right? But that's what I got off of this one. And that's why, for me, I was like, I like that. It's kind of a nod to the genre, and there you go. It's proof of it. P is for? Pressure. A prostitute must take care of her three children as her boyfriend, a reckless man himself, steals all of her saved-up money. Desperate, she takes up a gig at what appears to be a photo shoot. However, the man pulls out a small baby kitten that he gives to the prostitute, who promptly puts the kitten down and crushes it underneath her shoe. Afterwards, the prostitute is seen happily spending the day with her children. Like, this one makes me sad because of the kitten, but it's a really well-told story. No, it really is well-done. Yeah, the, I didn't like the kitten part, but I mean, we don't, you know, yeah, we don't see anything. We know what happened, but I was like, this one would probably be better served as like a kind of a drama film if they're going to flesh it out and stuff, because mm-hmm. it would fit within that world, like a tragic story, a mom who's prostituting to take care of her kids. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's an everyday thing, but you have something to explore within these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, the it was well done. To provide exactly. Pressure of the kitten's head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just all that stuff. I was like, oh, man, yeah, it's it's sad. They try to leave it with a quote-unquote happy ending. Yeah. There's some hope there, I suppose, for the woman and her kids, but what a way to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Fuck that Which noise. is the point, obviously. Right, but, pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> so God it's damn. really well done. It just, it sucks. Like, yeah. it's sad. I put this one in, like, it wasn't my favorite, but I didn't dislike it. I think it was, you know... Fairly well done. It was, yeah, pretty good. Uh, And that was done by? Simon Rumley. Don't know much about this gentleman. We got Q is for? Quack. I'll just say, this one was by Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, because the actual filmmakers playing themselves are upset over having gotten the letter Q for their segment, and while struggling for ideas, decide to make theirs the only segment of the film to feature an actual on-screen death. Adam and Simon, along with their cameraman, Juan Carlos, go out to shoot an actual living duck on film, since nobody gives a shit about animals. <laughs> Adam and Simon's guns suddenly jam and then unexpectedly go off, killing the pair. Juan Carlos runs away, leaving the still-living duck in the cage to watch the strange scene. I thought this one was, it was okay. There was nothing wrong with it. It had some humor in it. I like the humor. The short itself was fine. I feel like I enjoyed it a lot, though, because I felt like I could tell that they were enjoying making it. Oh, you could definitely tell. I think they were, all right, the way I'm trying to say this, I like how they were commenting on, you know, we got fucked here. Even yeah. Nacho guy cried as before me. <laughs> Not- Dude, when they called out Nacho, I yeah. fucking loved it. And, like, the fact they called him out means they're probably friends with him, right? I would imagine so. Which made me even happier because it made me think that, like, somewhere when this movie came out, Nacho sat down to watch <laughs> it to see, like, oh, I contributed. What did everyone else do? Yeah. And he got to that part and just probably fucking lost it. Like, That's these awesome. little motherfuckers. Like. Yeah. So I like that. I even like how <laughs> I've never done it, but I thought it was funny because it seemed like they were all sniffing coke with the money oh, that yeah. they got. <laughs> While they were complaining about trying to come up with something with the letter Q. And then they're getting the chick screams and she's uh, just topless just, for no reason. Right. It's just oh, it's ridiculous. And she's not even that great at screaming. I feel like I enjoyed it more than the actual short because right. it seemed like they were just having a fucking blast. And I would imagine it probably was a good time. Why the fuck not? You know, a few films of note from these guys because they are partners, of course. 
Some people might know the film A Horrible Way to Die, the film The Guest. They did 2016's Blair Witch, 2017's Death Note, and the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong. Not upcoming. Came out like a month ago. Oh, my bad. R is for... Removed. A man is continually subjected to constant surgeries as his skin can produce full rolls of 35-millimeter film. He is covered in bandages but seemingly adored by the public who want to touch his skin. Eventually, his skin begins to produce less and less film, and he escapes, killing several men in the process. He makes it to a train yard and crushes himself underneath one of the cars. Shortly afterwards, it begins to rain blood. He didn't crush himself under the car, did he? I, I, I think that's that wrong. crashed, didn't he? Like, wasn't he kind of down in, like, the service pit, and he was pushing it back out onto the rail? Yeah. And then he just, he didn't get crushed. He just fell down because he bled out. I think you're right, yeah. This one, I was like, ah... Uh... I think I know what he's trying to do here. I think this is more of like social commentary, you know, like the price you pay for maybe being like on film. I think it's commentary on the industry and what people feel like makes true art versus what art really is. And like the artist getting out and trying to, because everybody's going gaga over (laughs) this scratchy old image of a train on original 35 millimeter yeah all it is is nobody's going and looking at a train it's just this image that's being cut out of this guy's skin and they're just going crazy because it's on (laughs) 35 millimeter and when he can't give them any more 35 millimeter he's useless to them right but his real goal is he wants the train to actually move that makes perfect sense you know it's like it doesn't matter how you're doing it as long as you're driving the industry forward like right you know because I know that you paid enough attention to entertainment news like me, like some of these guys really get down on some of the new guys using digital. You're right. It's true. <laughs> you know. But are you a better artist just for using 35 mil? No, I don't think so. <laughs> a perfect example, perhaps, I can't remember the exact name of the film, but Steven Soderbergh did a film what, on his yeah. phone camera, his Apple iPhone, like, and it did fairly well, and it's not a bad film. You know, It's like you don't necessarily have to trap yourself within the confines of... I don't know, old school or new school. Just do what feels best for you. Mm -hmm. Who cares? It's all subjective anyway. I did think it was neat that he was still also able to use a little bit of his skin as a bullet to kill that. Yeah, I thought that was clever. Like, I enjoy this one, but I was like, ah, yeah, dude, this is social commentary. I get it. This is kind of his bag. But it was still well done. I liked it. I Mm -hmm. liked the concepts behind it. This one's definitely up on the higher end of the scale for me, partially because it was actually putting forth, like, very artistic cool artistic ideas that i agree with like you're not yeah. an artist just because you're using 35 mil or solid old technology. Point, man. yeah like you still have to be doing something with it i mean you know sometimes the way forward is moving mm-hmm. on with the times you know it doesn't mean it's better doesn't mean it's worse you just gotta move that train that's right you're right keep it moving I'm not sure the blood rain at the end, though. Like, I feel that's also supposed to mean something, and that's not something I... Like, I don't know how much this is, yeah, contextually in Serbian. You know what I mean? I don't know. Did we mention who this was done by? No. Serjan (laughs) Spazujevic. I mean, hello, we did um, a Serbian film, so (laughs) people should know by now. But yeah, he's, he's cool, man. S is for... Speed. Roxanne kidnaps Lulu from an abandoned outpost in the desert while being chased by an invincible hooded figure. After putting Lulu in the trunk of her car, Roxanne speeds off but runs out of gas. Roxanne attempts to bargain with the hooded man, but he refuses, admitting that she gave him a run for his money. 
She takes his hand and is shown to have died in a drug den. Lulu wakes up, takes Roxanne's drugs, and hallucinates the desert. I like this one. Yeah, me too. I really Especially like this Especially once one. it got to the twist. Right. Up to that point, this was one of those ones where I'm like, yeah. okay, so what's the S going to be? I was kind of there with you too. I was like, what is... And I'm then like, when you find like, like oh, a sand devil? Right, is, right. Like... Yeah. Something of that nature, who knows? But no, the twist was like, oh, this was actually... Okay. Yeah. Well done. It's kind of fucked up too to like almost like romanticize like the high. the high of a fucking fatal OD. Yeah. But it was still kind of a neat way of doing it. Like yeah. I said, the twist makes it feel better. I think that's why too. It's like glamorizing it, like you were saying, kind of glamorizing it, escaping but death. But then you Whoa, see the how reality. Up the drug den looks oh, and like yeah. how nasty they're. And that's all. where I think it kind of hit home. For me, at least it did, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, well done, dude. And then the, the girl wants to. But then you also up, get like, you also know. like understand the, why you would want to use drugs to escape. Yeah. And why you would end up with this crazy, awesome escapist right. fantasy. It does give you, I think, a, a sense of reality, you know, for people who may be suffering from those addictions, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean. I don't know, personally, but I can imagine. But there was a, there was a second there where I was wondering just how much like Dust Devil was going to be in it. I was kind of thinking that too because it felt kind of cheesy at first. Mm-hmm. But like you said, once you hit the twist, it's like oh shit! All right, this was done by Jake West. A few things of note from him: he did Evil Aliens back in two thousand five, Pumpkinhead Ashes to Ashes in two thousand six, and he did two video nasties. Not only movie nasties, but there's. I actually own, there's like three of them. They're documentaries. Okay. But one of them is called Video Nasties, Moral Panic, Censorship, and Videotape from 2010. And the other one is Video Nasties, Draconian Days from 2014. I can tell you they're Region B, but I own them. So I need to get on them. But they're long as fuck. (laughs) They are, dude. Next we have T is for... Toilet. In this claymation short, a child is being taught how to use the toilet by his parents. Mm -hmm. The toilet suddenly grows teeth and eyeballs and telepathically locks the door. It brutally kills and devours the child's parents before lunging at the child, revealing it all to be a nightmare. The child decides to use the toilet for real, but a loose screw frightens him, leading to him getting his head stuck in the toilet seat. His father laughs upon seeing him, but the toilet tank then comes loose and falls, crushing the child's head and causing the father to scream in terror. I like this one. Maybe one of the this one. the first time around, I was like, ah, okay. But the second time, I was like, actually, no, this one's really good. <laughs> this one's actually really good. The fucking gore is great in the claymation. That was, Dude, I that's, love claymation gore. That's where I, I put it into, like, one of my favorites. Like, because of the claymation and the whole process that you have to do to go through that, to mm-hmm. pull it off. It's like, man, that was really well done, dude. Really well done. Hard work. Killed it. Fuck, and some of that shit just looks... Dude, the, it's gnarly. The fucking toilet, like... Tongues up the ass, out the fucking mouth, and then pulls the fucking dad basically inside out into its mouth. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was awesome. And they, it was the, the kid's nightmare. Face, like, yeah. Then she get like, she stabbed the eyeball and it hits her mm-hmm. and like melts her face and shit. Then he eats her. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And there's just like a little bit of intestine just like sitting in there. Yeah. Like, and it's all claymation. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, you know, it makes you wonder like how much he was influenced by like, Wallace and Gromit and mm. Gumby and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if not, fuck it. Still did a great job. I was going to mention, there's some really interesting things that this guy did. Lee Hardcastle. If you look through his filmography, I mean, it's mostly, of course, animation, claymation, stuff like that. He did an, uh, the Belco Experiment claymation shorts. He did a series of four short films meant to promote the Belco Experiment. It's like, that's oh. interesting. 
He did Rick and Morty Go to the Movies. It was Rick and Morty parodying classic films. That was from 2017. He helped on the Gorillas trans video. Mm. He did small portions of the video. And if people know who Portugal the Man are, he helped with the Tidal Wave video, which was a music video for him there. So I was like, that's some pretty cool shit. I know he's done some other, like, kind of, all right, for example, they said there's a version of the film, The Thing, version of the film, The Raid, version of the film, Evil Dead 2, but these are all called Clay Cats, The Thing, Clay Cats, The Raid, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of shorts. Well, it's saying that he made a sequel to this, too. The I read that. Yeah. Ghostburger? Did, yeah, where it explains that the kid didn't die. Right. I'm curious. I kind of am, too. It's like, if it's anything like this, it's going to be probably pretty fucking decent. You is for? Unearthed. In the second short shot entirely from a POV perspective, a vampire rises out of its coffin as a small mob attempts to sedate and kill it. The vampire flees from the mob, stopping to feed upon a passing woman before being taken down by a flaming arrow and knocked unconscious. The vampire awakens as a prisoner of the mob, who have its teeth pulled, the vampire itself staked, and finally its head cut off as it stares at its killers. Yeah. I would say this, although not the greatest of them all, I still like this one a lot. I liked this one a lot. I think it's a better idea than it ends up actually playing out. I think there's so much that's happening to the vampire that only having vision, you lose a little bit of oh, that. Oh, you definitely do. Even if you had like an Xbox controller in your hand <laughs> yeah. and you weren't able to control anything, but every time the vampire got hit, it would rumble. I think even that would like crank this up yeah, a kid, ton. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. There's some elements to it that were lacking. But the idea is fucking solid. Yeah, it's like it reminded me somewhat, just a little bit. I'm not trying to compare them wholly, but I was like, this felt a little bit like I Sell the Dead. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as Ben Wheatley, we should mention that director. We've talked about him on Kill List. He used one of his actors in this, Neil Maskell, who was the lead in Kill List. So I was like, all right, there he is. That was really cool. Like I said, it wasn't anything spectacular. I mean, it's not like something we haven't seen before. It took a little second to figure out exactly what they were doing. But it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Removing the fangs, staking them, beheading them. All right, I get it. Like I said, nothing we haven't seen before. Still interesting within a short, you know, because mm -hmm. you don't know what happened prior, who this particular vampire is, et cetera. So there's room to play with that. When you get the little bit of there might be some sort of backstory at the end where they're like pulling the teeth so they don't know, like... Yeah. So, like I said, there's some things within that could be explored, but nothing we haven't seen before. V is for? Oh, vaginas, the cry of a newborn baby. <laughs> oh, I was, I've been waiting all this time to hear you have to say that entire fucking title. I don't mind. Because <laughs> it's kind of dumb title. Yeah. I was like, all right. In New Vancouver, A.D. 2035, women must petition the government for permission to bear children. Laney, an officer, successfully petitions for one, but discovers she is infertile. She and her robot partner, Nesbitt, break into a facility to hunt for mentals. They discover a family, which Nesbitt subsequently kills. He then beheads the family's baby. Laney's boss, Stoker, enters and criticizes her due to her sympathizing with the family. The baby's head turns out to be alive and possessing some psychic power as it proceeds to blow up Stoker's head while the dying father tells Lainey that she's the mother now. You the mother now. <laughs> you, yeah, look at me. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> you the mother now. Yeah. I'm like, ah, the concept's not bad. You know, it's like... That was a not a good write-up, I don't think of. Nah. 
No, because there, there's a lot of shit going on. Like, you learn that there's... This... She doesn't know that they're hunting mentals. Exactly. She doesn't know what the fuck a mental is. No, she has no concept of it. It's been hidden from her. And... It's not just like the baby has some psychic power. The baby's supposed to be the prophet of the mentals. I know. I'm like, damn. You know, I wasn't expecting it, but I'm glad they did it. Where they shot up the kid and stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. damn. <laughs> I fucking went there with that. The overall feel of that also felt quite a bit like Equilibrium to me, which yeah. is a plus. I love Equilibrium. So Yeah, great film. I liked it, too. It felt a little RoboCop-esque, too. Yeah. A little bit. Nesbit was kind of a cool robot design. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, I was surprised at just how violent it got when it did, like, suddenly, like... <laughs> like, damn. You're like, okay, whatever. And then Nesbit just opens fire, and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I know. Chill, bro. <laughs> and then, like, like it does end up with a baby fucking decapitated, who then is psychically controlling like, Nesbit to fucking gun down everyone else, and then he fucking scanners the fucking yeah. doctor's head at the end. Makes sense. It makes sense. Because if you look at who directed this, it's done by a gentleman named, I'm going to, because he's got two A's. I think it's Kari Andrews. Okay. This is a comic book writer, artist, and filmmaker from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It says his works include Spider-Man, Iron Fist, Renato Jones, and Incredible Hulk. So he's done a lot of stuff with the writer's block, which he's a member of, and they help originate Wizard Magazine's Wizard World website. So for maybe those who are familiar, probably know this guy's works. You know, some pretty interesting things. <laughs> I guess film, Cabin Fever, Patient mm -hmm. Zero, maybe, TV series, Van Helsing, Aftermath, yeah, stuff like that. So a couple things there. This is one of the ones, though, where if they only had $5,000 to do oh, this Oh, man, they with, made the most of it. Holy shit. Yeah, that's man, a, well done. Squeezed every drop of every penny oh, out for that one, dude. You're not kidding, man. That's well done. W is for... What the fuck? John Schnapp is working on an animated short relating to the letter W when his friends and crew members tell him to come to the conference room to watch the news. The short begins to devolve into scenes involving zombie clowns, a puppet in hell, chemtrails, a warrior woman battling a giant walrus, and a flying baby monster, all while a newscaster chaotically spouts off end-of-the-world babble. John's head is cut off and stabbed by a cartoon warlock as he shouts, What the fuck? Yeah. I like this one. It was pretty decent. I liked it. I want to say, um, pretty wild. rest in peace, John Schnepp. He unfortunately passed not yeah, too I long ago. Yeah, I saw that. Ago. I was like, damn, that sucks. Had a stroke. It sucks. He worked on some Metalocalypse. He worked on like some Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, I saw that, man. Uh, some Venture Brothers. But he did the Death of Superman Lives documentary and was going to be turning that sort of concept into a series that never went through because he unfortunately passed. Yeah. But that documentary is fantastic. The Superman Lives is the Superman movie they tried to get done in the 90s, oh. where at one point Kevin Smith wrote a version of the script, and Tim Burton at one point was attached to direct, and Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman. I saw you that can see stuff. the pictures yeah. of him in the he found out everything he could find out about wow. what happened with that project. Yeah, because it's like the documentary ends with what happened. Mm -hmm. And got in good with a lot of those guys. And I That's know awesome. that it's like, thanks to that, I've heard stories about him on like different podcasts and stuff. And it mm -hmm. seems like he was just a pretty great guy all around. So that's yeah. kind of a bummer. This might be one of my favorite fucking segments. This is bonkers. It, I like I mean, it. It's kind of, I mean, kind of reminds me of Jafar. <laughs> I mean, it really does. They were just having fun. It's goofy as shit. I like how it starts off too. It's an animation. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then the guy comes in, and he's like, And I love it's all like a witch, a warlock, like, yeah, you just, are. he's like, Whoa, Walfred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and I like that. They're just holding their little camera phones, mm-hmm. you know, while they're, they're doing their dialogue. And then the woman comes in, and you learn there's like all kinds of bizarre, crazy shit happening outside of the studio. <laughs> he's like, Why is that W keep coming? I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Some things I did want to mention, too. I know you've already mm-hmm. mentioned quite a few things, which is really awesome. When I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is fucking crazy. It said that he was an editor on numerous episodes of uh, Cartoon Network's Space Ghost Coast to Coast. said he co-directed the pilot for Upright Citizens Brigade. I was like, damn, I used to watch that. said he also helped with voice acting on three episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> like, damn, he's got his hands on all kinds of cool shit. So I did want to mention those, too, because I used to watch a lot of that stuff. X is for XXL. Gertrude, an overweight woman, wanders the streets of France as people everywhere taunt her size. She is haunted by images of thin, attractive women. She sadly gorges herself on food before deciding to finally do something about her weight. Using a variety of sharp objects, Gertrude proceeds to cut the fat off her body. She walks out of the bathtub in a skeletal state and missing all of her skin, she poses briefly and then bleeds to death. This one, once again, I would consider in the extreme end of the horror spectrum in these segments. By the end, yeah. I didn't know how much they were going to show. Me either. I was like, okay. Honestly, this one at first felt not quite cliched, but overdone. I mean, you know what the hell they were going at. And I mean, it doesn't help that like it wasn't all that long ago that we saw a chick freaking out and trying to cut bits off of her in a movie. Solid point. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) But like when it first cut away from her, when she went into the shower bathtub area and started cutting, I thought, oh, well, that's done with it. When it went the extra step and she, quote unquote, achieved her goal, (laughs) that's what put this one over the top for me. I'm like bravo you fucking went there this is great in a weird way it balances out just how fucking terrible people were being to her right you know and that's why it makes sense xxl this is a you know heavy set woman it's another social commentary it I means right on the fucking nose but it was still really well done because of what you just said man here's some really cool things this guy is xavier gens french filmmaker Known for a film we haven't done yet, but a film called Frontiers, which is actually pretty decent. Yeah, He's done 2017's The Crucifixion, same year Cold Skin, 2018's Budapest, and season one, episodes six, seven, and eight of Gangs of London from last year. All right, why is for Young Buck. A pedophilic janitor teaches a young boy he has been watching from afar to hunt deer and is then implied to sexually assault the boy. The janitor continues to watch all the boys play basketball and then licks up their sweat afterwards. The boy, haunted by his time with the janitor, appears in the gymnasium and kills him with the severed head of the deer. Dude, this this fucking episode. God damn. First off, the fucking soundtrack on this one. Dope. Stylistically, dope. Fucked up story. Yes. (laughs) Especially when you learn who and what this guy is, for sure. The second time through, I paid more attention to the first time they showed the hunting sequence, and I realized they do show enough of the janitor's face that I should have really figured out what was going on. But I will admit that my first time through watching this, what I thought was happening 
was that those were flashbacks to something that happened to the janitor when he was a kid. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I see what and that was like, he got assaulted and then it was going, you know, uh, going a forward. And that's like, that's, dude, <laughs> he actually went and started licking up the fucking Oh my. Bench, I was like, this motherfucker here. God damn. He went there. I was like, don't. I mean, do it, but don't do it. Don't do it, but, but not do like it. that. Do it, but don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see it, but not like he was lapping that stuff up, dude. But you knew, you knew as soon as that sweat, because he was, because he was looking at he that was, sweat. He's he had like, those I want bug that. eyes. He's like, I want that boy bus sweat. <sighs> Give me yeah. that little boy bus sweat. <laughs> he did, but geez, second time through too, I was kind of wondering with the you know the deer figure looking at him in the hallway, and he was getting right. all nervous. I wonder where they're gonna go with that. The first time through, I was like, Wendigo. It kind of felt like that, yeah. But I'm like, this is why. Yeah, not Yeah, that's not how you spell Wendigo. That's not how you spell Wendigo. So the little kid's going to go headless at the end, right? Oh, yes, yes. Right? He's going to fuck that skull. Yeah, that's maybe the real origin. (laughs) The kid pulls his pants down, looking at the head. Like, I'm wondering how many people notice that part. Like, because I feel like that should be mentioned in this description. Wow, dude. You feel me? Like, yeah, they left that one out, but that was all. I was like, damn, they actually went there. All right, check this out. This makes total sense when you look at his first fucking murder boner. What's he like, junior high? Something like that. It's fucked up regardless, but yeah, well done. The director was Jason Eisner. And look at this dude's filmography. This is really awesome. So back in 2007 on Grindhouse, he did the segment. Hobo with a shotgun. This is the hobo with a shotgun guy. Dude, he did VHS part two segment, Slumber Party Alien Abduction. He was the executive producer on Turbo Kid, and he was the editor on Goon, Last of the Enforcers. He is a Canadian filmmaker, writer, editor, director, all that good stuff. Well, and fucking Hobo with a shotgun was the one that made it in because he won a contest. It's crazy. And it went on to make a full on fuck. Dude, that movie is fantastic. That movie's over the fucking top. I love it. Rucker Howard, come on, dude. Yeah, come on. And you on. get... Uh, what's his name from fucking... Trailer Ricky. Park Boy, yeah. um, like that. I don't yeah, know it's been I so long since I remember those guys. Yeah, anyway. But, okay, dude, this one is... It's fucked up. It's good. I liked it. I did and too. And that, that soundtrack puts it over the top, dude. The synth wave oh, is it's, on it's point. Well done. I'm glad it was in this. Oh, it's fucking Power Glove. No wonder. Oh. Power Glove does some great shit. There you go, man. That's awesome. Z is for Zetsumetsu, which means extinction. A mysterious man named Dr. Strangelove has shown the positive aspects of American culture and how it relates to Japan. All throughout imagery of rice and sushi, a topless woman and a Nazi hat and a giant penis, and naked people with hats resembling bombs reading Big Boy are unapologetically shown throughout. Strangelove stands up and shouts, My Emperor, it is standing as his penis rises exposed and fires rice. This one, man. I like this one a lot, too. This is, like, so over the top. Once again, they're playing with the Nazism and shit. Well, and it is kind of just Dr. Strangelove just condensed down to... It's funny, man. It's just over the top. Like, all the imagery is just, like, relations between superpowers being pushed to the boiling point over different things and, like... Yeah. (laughs) uh, Nazism being rebranded into colonialism and like yeah dude he's even bringing up like white means this and not yellow or brown mm-hmm. and i'm like damn okay once again like 
Damn, Japan. As much as I didn't think that we were going to get furries earlier on, <laughs> I also didn't think that we were going to get live-action Fudanari. Crazy, man. But there you go. The dick. Penis blade. Blade was wild. Uh, I did not care for the, the dick being chopped. No, that was crazy. That, going that into a soup and shit. <laughs> that was fucking that, hilarious. That though. is fucking It is hilarious because it's like, what the fuck? They're shooting out. I didn't need <laughs> what the fuck? a... And I'm not even leaning in the stereotype. Like, this is just what was actually shown on screen. I wasn't, like, I wasn't expecting the fucking tiny Japanese dongs hanging above the food the I entire know. time. I know. I'm like, oh, my God damn. There they went. They went with it. So be it. They chose to be in the film. It's on them. Like, the Nazi imagery goes away for a hot minute, but then when it comes back and the fucking legs are just rotating behind her head, dude. This one is so over the top. But once again, it's like, yes, Japan. Come up with the crazy. It's literally just Japan retelling Doctor Strange left though, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be ejaculating rice and stuff. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I was like, what the fuck? This is so crazy. Makes sense though. I liked it. I like this one. This is one of my more favorite of all of them. My emperor is standing. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, man! I enjoyed it though. I was like, yeah, this one's a pretty good one. And that one was done by. Yoshihiro Nishimura. I'll check this out. It says, he has been described as a legendary director and effects artist in the Tom Savini of Japan with talent to burn. Well, yeah, because he also did Tokyo Gore Police. Duh. So, <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, man. Meatball Machine Kodoku, The Profane Exhibit, The Hell Chef, Hell Driver. Yeah, Mutant Girl Squad, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Yeah, come on, man. That's awesome. So Now we know our ABCs. Part one, because there's a part two and a two and a half. <laughs> but yeah, no, I enjoy I'm interested this, in part two. I don't think I'm interested in part two and a half. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we have to pace ourselves with this because we already mentioned this was over two hours. A through Z. It's like, whew, I will fun. say, although number two has a couple directors I'm definitely interested in, there's not as many that I consider as big draws as this one had. Yeah, solid point. We mentioned After seeing too. this one and seeing just how fucking wild they got. <laughs> yeah. Makes you wonder. Mm -hmm. Makes you wonder. Because there's a lot to play with. You know, they're only choosing a separate word. There's a lot of shit you can play with. All right, so overall, least favorite. Least favorite? Oh, man, I, I went between... It would probably E for Exterminate, to be honest. Okay. I, like, I, was, I was like, Ansel, like, you could have done better. <laughs> it's like, I get it, but it didn't really do anything for me. I think I'm going to have to go M for Miscarriage because at least E for Exterminate made me laugh when he was cranking You know, that's out. probably a solid point. M for Miscarriage was really lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the more I think about it, that yeah, it was. It was lazy. All right, number one. I know I've mentioned it. I'm just going to still stick with it. I liked Orgasm, O for Orgasm. Yeah, mainly because it said it reminded me of Giallo's. Now that you pointed out the Giallo ties, I understand yeah. why you're going with it. Still not my favorite. No, I, I said it's cool. Like I, I knew like we got 26 ones to choose from. I can tell you this. I put a little stars next to the ones like I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, L for libido was in there. X for XXL. So those were my top three. I think my top three might be Jidai Geki. Okay. That's a good one. What the fuck? Hey, <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, maybe libido. That one was gnarly as fuck, dude. <laughs> libido was super yeah. fucking good, dude. Like I said... Out of all of them, I don't understand how libido isn't a full length. Yeah. I would say that might be my second favorite. Yeah. 
But you're right. Um, that, that could be a full length, and it'd be fucking gnarly. Because we already see what they can do. If you want to expand this out to top five, I think maybe both of the animateds are my next two. Okay. Because I Klutz was fucking charming as shit in a it weird was. way. No, I, I agree. And There's Toilet some really interesting humor. Fantastic. I really liked F is for Fart, because I thought it was <laughs> over the fucking top ridiculous, and I liked the humor in it, and I was like, it's about a fucking fart, dude. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it kind of makes sense because you see the other gas, what it did to the other girls. She just wanted to sniff her teacher's fucking fart. Smell that stench. <laughs> that forbidden fruit. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. But I like that kind of stuff. So I'll probably put that in my top four. And then maybe Z for Zetsumetsu. I was like, mm-hmm. this one, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I needed that. Once again, Japan coming with the ridiculousness. I think I have affinity for Japanese and Italian films. <laughs> I just do. Shit, is there anything else to really bring up about these? No, if you're a fan of anthologies, you mentioned it's a good party film. If you got a group of friends, you want to explore, get high, watch some wild shit. Like I said, if you aren't vibing with a section, just zone out for a second. Right, right. They don't last long. Yeah, if you don't like this one, yeah, check your phone out until the next one. Because they're, what, three, four minutes long at tops, something like that? Yeah, like they vary a little bit in length. I'd say, like... Like I don't know. Gravity's got to be, what, two and a half minutes tops? If like that, yeah. What would you think the longest one is out of all of them? Oh, shit. There was one of them I felt like dragged on longer than it needed to, which is weird to say about like a three or four minute thing. But yeah. which one was it? I mean, pressure is kind of long. Yeah. It takes it a while is. to actually get to. You're right. But um, yeah. yeah. Speed is kind of long for what it is. Vagitis is kind of long. Vagitis might be the longest. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's a solid point. But XXL that, isn't short. It's not either. It lasts a couple of minutes. But it's gruesome. Because you also get, like, if it was just the beginning and the end, I think it'd be the length of most of the rest of them. But you get that yeah. bit of her doing the eating part, too. Oh, dude, yeah. That adds in the gross effect, too. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, they went with it. I mean, good on her, too, because, you know, she went there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but even with those, like, even those, what, four or five segments, say five minutes tops on them. Right. Still. Before we hit fucking record, we were both bitching a little bit that we were like, we saw this like two hours on this shit. But no, I mean, it's a fun two hours, but it's, but you know, we have to do our homework (laughs) and we have to do it twice typically. So it's like, that's four plus hours I have to dedicate, you know, to watching and then the second time writing. But I think I like the way, this way I took my notes because, you know, sometimes that shit can be overwhelming. This was fun. It was fun. I agree. We need to figure out what we're doing next time. Yeah, back in that boat. But, you know, we're comfortable in that boat. And that's about it. So for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, 
or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Peace.